0: i gonna pray with you this night. How's your Advent going? It better be going good because it's like 38.5% over. All right, seriously, like we have the shortest Advent we can have. So uh, I think Bishop Edder was here last week. To, I'm sure he got you guys ready. He's decent at doing that, you know, for Advent, right? Give him all due credit. But how's it going? When I preached last week to the other masses, I was talking about Advent, and it's the coming of Christ to us. Adventus means to come toward, right, in Latin, ad venire. Jesus who comes toward us. But we also have to come toward him. And that's where we shift this week. We have a part to play in this. The Lord will come to us. St. John Paul II, he had a great line. He, he said, Advent is a time of intense training that directs us decisively to the one who came, the one who will come, and the one who comes continuously. So Jesus is always coming to us. He comes continuously to us because when he came at Christmas, when the incarnation happened, he came among us and he never left. And he's constantly seeking for a way to get into our hearts, to come into our lives. But And there's a good line here from St. Irenaeus, second century saint. He said this, God would not save us without us. It's a good line. God would not save us without us. He doesn't force his salvation upon any of us, but he wants us to engage the reality of his coming. And that's what we do in Advent. Advent has notes of a penitential season. It's not like Lent, but it is penitential. I'm wearing purple. We skip the Gloria. The disciplines, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, which should always mark our Christian lives, always, not just at Lent, are heightened in Advent. Maybe not to the same extent as Lent, but they're there. Why? Because they prepare us. They prepare us To go out and to meet Jesus. The opening prayer of this Mass tonight, Almighty merciful God, may no earthly undertaking hinder those who set out in haste to meet your Son. That's our call, to set out in haste to meet Him and to be unhindered. Well, for us to be unhindered, we have to acknowledge some realities. First and foremost, and the order is critically important, first and foremost, we acknowledge the reality of the Incarnation. That's the ultimate reality for every one of us here tonight who professes the faith of Christianity, that God, who loved the world into existence, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that all who believe in him might not perish but might have eternal life, right? John 3.16. God so loved the world that he sent his son among us. That reality is the deepest reality. And when we acknowledge that reality, then it prepares us to engage other realities. And once we live in reality, we start living in the truth. And once we start living in the truth, then we become free. And Jesus is all about our freedom. So truths tonight to help us prepare to go out in haste to meet Jesus and to not miss him at his incarnation as his coming into our lives. So first this, two fundamental realities. First, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. And second, we all have a savior in Jesus Christ. Those two things are critically important for us We're all sinners and we all have a savior in Jesus Christ. So the first one, which sometimes makes us uncomfortable, we're all sinners, that's just the truth. I heard about this book years ago. There was a book written in the 60s, of course, right? And its title was this, I'm okay, you're okay. And I just laughed at the title, right? Uh, So I laughed and I preached about it and, and someone at Carol found it on like a used book thing. So I actually have this book, I'm okay, you're okay. I've never opened it. It might be a really good book, but the title makes me laugh because we're not all okay. In fact, I prefer G.K. Chesterton. He had a great quote. He said, we're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. We're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. We're all sinners. We're all wounded by sin. Not just kind of, grievously wounded through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Sin impacts all of us. That's a great equalizer, by the way. Nobody here needs to pretend. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We don't need to put on airs and pretend like we're better than we actually are. But rather, we just live in reality. I'm a sinner. And that has consequences now to shift a little bit sin it does have consequences this first reading from Isaiah which is really good talks about raising up a highway in the desert bringing down mountains and filling in valleys to make a broad and smooth valley open or a, a meadow open to God, a plain. Now, I'm a born and bred Montana. I grew up here. I love this state. I love our mountains, and I love our valleys. I do not want a broad, flat plain. That's called North Dakota. I don't want Montana to be like that. I love mountains and valleys, except in the spiritual life. Except in the spiritual life. Because if you're actually traveling and not just recreating, you don't want mountains. And you don't want deep valleys or or even canyons. Because they are obstacles. It's hard to go up. It's hard to come down. And it's hard to fill in. Well, brothers and sisters, sin causes huge mountains and deep canyons in our souls, our hearts. Mountains of excess. And then deep canyons, chasms of defect. So too much pride, too much self-centeredness, too much seeking after comfort, too much, too much, too much. And those raise up huge mountains that make travel difficult, progress difficult. And then on the other side, deep canyons, chasms, too little. Too little care for other people. Too little generosity. Too little acting in a manner that I should when I know I should. Too little resolve or desire to do God's will in my life. That's what sin causes. These mountains of too much self-referential energy. Too much of our attention focused on ourselves. And then too little. Sins of omission. Things I ought to do that I don't do. Well, that whole spiritual landscape needs to change. That's what the Lord wants to accomplish. That's what John the Baptist comes to announce. Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Well, for that to happen, brothers and sisters, we can't just fix ourselves. Think how long some of the road construction projects take in our state. It's not so easy to change geological features, and it's nigh impossible for us to change geological features in our heart, spiritual excesses and spiritual defects. We can't save ourselves. We don't have to, because that's the second great truth, the second great fundamental reality That though, yes, we are all sinners with our excesses and our defects, we also all have a Savior who loves us and who has the power to change what are stable features or at least seem to us to be stable features. I'll always have too much of this. I'll always have too little of this in my spiritual life. And John the Baptist announces a word to say, no, 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 get ready. Get prepared because the one who is coming can change what seems to us to be stable realities. The one who is coming can change all of what our hearts look like. There's nothing that's too great for him to bring low and there's nothing that's too small for him to raise up. Jesus is the one who does that for us. But in order to receive him, in order to go out to meet him, We have to follow the example of those who first heard John. They go out, they go out into the wilderness, and there John is preaching repentance and baptizing, with a baptism of repentance. That's why I'll argue till the end of my days that Advent is a penitential season, because the call is to repent. But repent doesn't mean to do hard things that make us sad and joyless. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. It's a combination of two words, meta and nous. And it literally means to go beyond the mind we have. So when John is saying repent, he's saying go beyond what you think is possible. Go beyond what you've settled for in your life. Because the one who is coming is expansive in his mercy, is generous in his grace, does not withhold back any of his life or his love. So repentance for us, as we continue in this Advent journey, is to see in a new way, to prepare ourselves for something new and something great. Does it mean leaving behind the old way of sin Of course it does. Of course it does. Sin makes us small. Sin chokes us off. Sin constricts the life of our soul. And Jesus came to save us from that. When we acknowledge our sins, I'm a sinner. Right away, in the next breath, we have to say, I have a Savior, though. And that's the one I'm preparing my heart for. That's the one I want to say yes to today. See, that drama of salvation, John crying out in the wilderness and then Jesus showing up, that wasn't just for people 2,000 years ago. That same reality is for you and for me tonight, not down the road. Tonight, Jesus says, let me come into your heart. Let me be the one who saves you. As we say, I'm a sinner and I need a savior, Jesus says, good, Now you're living in reality. And I'm the deepest reality. So he comes to you and to me tonight. He comes to save us. He will, however, not save us without us. So may you and I open our hearts to him tonight and say yes to the grace that saves us, that brings mountains down and fills valleys in, that creates a broad and beautiful highway that we move upon until we meet our Lord and join him on the way to heaven.